At SAP, we provide the foundation for companies to become intelligent enterprises, enabling them to run better by growing more resilient, more profitable, and more sustainable. This requires visionary leaders who can ideate with customers on new and innovative solutions to solve our customers' most complex business problems. These leaders see the big picture and align the right people to the right opportunities. The Customer Solutions Director or CSD at SAP does all that and more. Which is why today I'm joined by the CSD dynamic duo Rick Isom and Nick Coffey. Rick Isom is currently a Customer Solutions Director at SAP where he has been since 2009. In this capacity, he acts as a trusted advisor, providing consultations of digital and data solutions, which enable companies to transform their business. Rick has spent over 20 years in consulting, sales and pre-sales, selling and implementing data intelligence and digital business solutions. He lives in the San Francisco Bay Area, occasionally working out of the Palo Alto and San Ramon offices. Nick Goffey is a passionate change agent and advocate for harnessing the use of technology to drive business transformation and value-based outcomes for all companies, from early-stage startups to established Fortune 500. He currently leads SAP's pre-sales efforts in the Southeast region, where he helps customers adopt a digital-first strategy to address the changes of conducting a modern-day global business. Prior to joining SAP, Nick was a pre-sales leader for the world's largest tax technology vendor and a consultant at Deloitte. He is an active California CPA and holds a master's in accounting and taxation from the University of Southern California. He currently resides in Atlanta, Georgia with his wife and daughter. And as always, my name is Akshi Mola and you're listening to SAP Experts Podcast. Welcome to the Customer Solution Director Dynamic Duo, Rick and Nick, to the SAP Experts Podcast. Welcome, y'all. Thank you. Yeah, very excited to be here. I am super excited as well. And Nick and Rick, this morning, when I was thinking about this podcast, I was thinking back to, I think it was episode 86, which was cybersecurity with our CTO, Elena Kwachko. And in that, her and I were talking about Jim Collins' um, good to great. And I asked her the importance of getting the right people on the bus. Now, what's interesting is I think I'm talking to two folks who not only get the right people on the bus in terms of hiring, but you guys do it so much more often. The reason being, from what I understand, the CSD or the customer solution director role to be is that you guys manage solution advisory activities. And for that, you create these sales teams so that it corresponds for each of the SAP solutions that would make sense. So those were a lot of words, but that's my understanding of what a CSD does. But that's why we have Nick on the call. So Nick, I'm sure a lot more goes on behind the scenes. So please share with our audience who is a customer solution director and what do you guys do for a living? Absolutely. And I'll just do a brief introduction to myself as well, since I uh, first time on the podcast, uh, avid listener and uh, really excited to be here. So thanks to Akshi 
and the team for having uh, what I'd say to be a rhyming duo of myself and, and Rick today. <laughs> uh, you can't see us either, but we can see each other on a, a Zoom session. And we, ironically enough, Rick and I do match as well. We're both wearing bright blue polos on a beautiful Friday on opposite coasts. So my name's Nick Goffey. I'm a customer solution director and the Southeast team lead here of the customer solution director team at SAP. I've been with the company about five years, uh, based in Atlanta, Georgia, and I've held this role or a similar similar role pretty much my entire tenure here. So, actually, I think you did a, a very fine job summarizing what we do. Um, but I like to think of a CSD as the pre-sales Sherpa for an mm-hmm. opportunity. And when you think about a Sherpa, uh, what's really their their goal or their intention is to help guide a group of people up a very uh, treacherous or strenuous hike, most likely, or or ascent up a mountain. And and that's essentially what we're doing for our sales teams and our customers here at SAP. We are helping our customers understand the vast landscape of SAP solutions that are available to help address their, their business problems. We're helping our sales teams navigate the vast pool of experts and resources we have here at SAP to align to help solve those business problems. So in a nutshell, that's what we do here. I believe this is the best job at SAP, and hopefully Rick and I can prove to you why that is the case today. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, when you were saying that, uh, the fact that to align all of these different people with all of these different skill sets. When I think of SAP, Rick and Nick, I think of Superman, right? Is there something that Superman cannot do? Fly, shoot lasers. With SAP, we have a solution for every LOB, every line of business. So to align all of that, that's quite the Herculean task, which is why I would come to Rick and ask him if he has anything more to add to that. And even before I ask you this question, Rick, I already kind of feel self-conscious, like you'll be like, did you pay attention to what Nick was saying at all? Because I'm going to ask you about a typical day. And before I even ask you, I can feel like, okay, what could be a typical day? But still, I'm going to challenge you. So tell me more about the role and tell me about your typical day. The typical day is always a tricky question. Um, (laughs) So I I, I will start off as well uh, with a quick introduction. Rick Isom, uh, I'm a, uh, in the Western region, and uh, I did have a focus on dormant net new teams, which uh, Nick and I have worked on over the years here and uh, d- developed kind of a mindset in that approach. But been with the company for uh, 11 years, started off in, in pre-sales for business intelligence and kind of moved into the platform uh, group. And, and, and then now I'm in CSD role. The typical day question, uh, I call it a trick question because Really, the CSD role, there's tactical pieces to it, and then there's strategic pieces to it. And so in a typical day, you may be doing a bit of the tactical things, which, you know, the ultimate responsibility is making sure the right pre-sales folks are engaged and informed on on what's going on. But as, as Nick said, there's a strategic aspect to it as well. You're working with AEs on, hey, what's our messaging for this? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is kind of the Sherpa aspect. Right. And uh, maybe there are pre- people that are not pre-sales folks that need to be involved. And that gets to your bus analogy and that we need to bring in. Um, maybe they're from the IVE group or maybe there are architects or maybe they're COE or maybe, I mean, there's a long list. Uh, one thing at SAP is there's, there's always plenty of people uh, willing to come in and help. So, 
part of a typical day might be doing some of that tactical stuff, which is reaching out to pre-sales managers and, and saying, hey, I got this opportunity. I need somebody on it and explaining to them why you need that person. But right. um, it, it may also be leading a dry run um, mm. once you have the team together. It may also be uh, conducting a, a win theme session with the AE and some some critical industry folks on how are we actually going to win a deal before we even start bringing people on. So there's a lot there and, and that's what makes it kind of tricky to say typical day. But that's also why I agree with Nick that this is just an f- awesome job. And I almost threw in a, uh, a bleep word there because it is a, <laughs> it is a bleeping awesome job <laughs> uh, because you get to work with people across the entire company. You get to work with all the solutions and, uh, and, and you get to really make your, your interest, you know, if there's this particular interest that you have. So um, as you can see, I could keep going. Nick and I could probably both keep going on and on. I love it. But I will, uh, I will let you continue with the, with the podcast questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I absolutely love hearing other people's passion about their roles. And I myself recently moved to a global role. And that made me appreciate the kind of diversity we have within SAP. So not only do we have a plethora of LOBs that we serve, pretty much every LOB and every industry, In fact, I often joke, uh, you know, uh, back when I was in academy, we learned that SAP serves 26 industries. And I asked my instructor at that time, well, how many industries are there? And they're like, "Uh, I think 26. So all of them, we got them all, just like Pokemon. (laughs) Speaking of that very diversity, you guys, uh, Nick, up until this time last year, you were in West Coast with Rick. Correct. Right? So what are some of the biggest differences between working within West Market Unit and South Market mm-hmm. Unit? You know, actually, uh, great question. And, and I would point to you in the global role. I mean, there, there's nuances of working with Europe, Asia, PAC. And in these roles, we, we get to work really with everyone in the company, especially on a, a large sales pursuit or, or cost, current customer engagement where we're working with a large scale customer rolling out SAP globally. Um, it, it's, it's really interesting in that context to get to work with a diverse team with a diverse set of backgrounds all across the world, right? Uh, and that's part of the job that I really love. But you hit the nail on the head. I was, uh, I've kind of spent my entire career bouncing between the two coasts. I was born in the Northeast, uh, always in the US, but born in the Northeast, uh, started my career on the West Coast, came to the South, went back to the West Coast, now back to the South. Um, you know, other than the obvious that uh, of the, no humidity and abundant sunshine that was the, in California where Rick and I were working together, um, I, I miss that tremendously. The, the two customer bases are very different geographically. Uh, from an industry perspective, Rick and I were working with some of the most innovative, high-tech software companies in the world, in California, very different place in their awareness and consumption of SAP. Uh, Out here in the South, I have some of the largest SAP customers globally in in this region here who've been consuming the software for 30 plus years and and still innovating on it today. And I I have a good mix of customers who never use the software as well. Culturally, internally at the two regions too, Uh, The West has had a a much more influx of talent from the outside, where the South 
I think has had a, a lot more stability in terms of the tenure of SAP folks here in leadership roles. So that's played into kind of the, the dynamics in the customer base as well. Uh, I miss my friends in the West dearly, but I'm having a great time in the South and, uh, you know, I've switched from surfing to golf as well. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. We miss you too, Nick, just to throw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> Nick and I were running buddies uh, for DNN out here and yep. yeah, it was fun. It was fun. And speaking of DNN, you spoke the magic word, Rick. Your main focus, I think you even mentioned that in your intro, was the net news space, DNN dormant net news space. And Nick was just mentioning how in South, you know, we have like SAP customers, we have a good mix. But in the West, and perhaps there's a little bit in the South as well, we have a good mix of the dormant net new customers as well. So I, I can imagine, of course, there has to be a difference in the way we approach a current SAP shop versus a dormant account versus a completely net new account versus a net new established company versus a net new, new, smaller startup company. But I would like to hear from you. What is your approach? How is it different in when it comes to DNN uh, companies? Well, off the bat, I mean, the obvious stuff is, I like to say net new customers, it seems there's two flavors of them. They either know about you and they, they don't like you <laughs> or I should, yeah, they, they think they know you and they, mm -hmm. they think that you're, you're big, old, slow, and long to uh, inexpensive. And then there's the other side that know nothing about you. And they think that you can't handle, you know, their specific, you know, everybody's, every customer special and, and you can't handle that. So um, going in, it's a bit different, you know, as Nick mentioned, when you're talking to a customer that has, it's innovating on the solution um, for, for so many years, you have to go in, you have to really do a lot of preparation on what they already have and what they're doing before you get in there. But with net new, you really get to sell the solution. You really get to sell S4 um, mm. because it's not a migration. There's less talk about, there's some talk, but there's less talk about Greenfield, Brownfield and all that. And, and it's more, it's more of a discussion around, Hey, you guys are growing. Uh, you need to transform your business to get to that next level. We've done that. Um, our solution is built to help you transform. So let's, let's talk about that um, rather than getting into some of these hey, we were running this on, on an older solution and, and now we need to add on or we need to upgrade or, you know, we need this feature, this function, which there's a whole benefit to that. But to me, it's not as exciting as being able to say, hey, look what, you know, this is what S4 is going to do for you. Um, I think the other thing too is you you have to, you usually get your initial conversations from kind of the, the frontline folks, I say, because they're the ones having the problem and a lot of times they're used to picking up the phone and just, hey, I need a solution. Can you do this? You know, mm -hmm. because they're moving, they're small, they're moving fast um, and not really understanding. Yeah, there's a lot more to it. You need solutions, not in silos, but that will talk to each other. So you have to, to, to be able to engage at that level, but then also get to the next level of executives. So they can understand that, you know, the supply chain executives can understand with the finance executives and, you know, maybe manufacturing or um, HR executives down the line that this problem is not at in a silo at this level. 
it's at a, you know, a higher level and we can solve it by connecting all of you. And so you need to understand that. I'm using my hands here to talk and I forgot we're not on video, but <laughs> Rick, we can see your hand, hand movements. <laughs> and, and actually, I, I have a couple things to add to that. I think Rick brought up some excellent points and I just wanted to, our listeners to kind of understand my perspective on the, on the types of customers we deal with in this, this area. Because as Rick mentioned, we were working together in the West in the net new name space. And, and now I'm doing the same thing in the South, right? So two different market units, two different geographies. I wanted to break up two things. One, the customer base mm. and, and then the perception of SAP within that customer base, because Rick touched on two. So in the net new space, you have, you have kind of two different tranches of customers. Rick and I were dealing with a lot of customers that quite frankly, their business weren't, wasn't even in existence for that long. You know, they, they might be in their fifth to 10th year as a company mm-hmm. overall. And yeah, they have some systems, but they haven't had enough time, energy, and effort put into those systems or those business processes to be saddled with a ton of legacy process debt or technical debt. And they're really at a critical juncture where they can make some selection or, or decisions that can really help them grow and scale to become you know, the, a big player in their industry. So that's one type of customer. I dealt with them a lot more on the West Coast. My type of customer I'm dealing with in the South is very different. A lot of these companies, especially the ones I've been dealing with this year, have been in existence for 50, 75, 100 years. Um, they have, you know, a 25, 30, 40-year-old enterprise system or landscape made up of enterprise systems that, that it has saddled by business process debt and technical debt. And, um, it's a very different conversation with them about how we can help and separating their mindset from a you know new large scale enterprise cloud fundamental based transformation versus I want a new shiny toy that can still do my business process that really isn't so great to begin with. So that was a challenge for me to come into this region and, and really learn that customer base. The other thing I'd say about the customer base as well in this space is um, you look at the the largest SAP shops in the world, they might have, you know, 100 people supporting that that system worldwide, a center of excellence devoted to best practices, innovation around just the SAP ecosystem. SAP in and of itself is an ecosystem and an economy that rivals some countries in the world. And most of our customers have none of that experience or know-how that Rick and I deal with. So for us to show up and start talking in terms of what we call, quote-unquote, Sapanese, mm-hmm. start dropping ABOP, product three-letter three letter acronyms on them, T-code, transaction code right. from you know legacy ERP on them. They will start bleeping you out. <laughs> no. at, I mean, it's like we're speaking another language, right. which um, is is a very, very hard thing for our, for our customers to really then partner with SAP and go, I don't even understand the language they're speaking. How can they help me run my business? So part of Rick and I's job here internally is making sure that our experts, our deep people in each line of business or industry understand that, you know, this customer has not been running the Migo T code for 25 years. Hmm. They don't even know what that means. Don't so, say the word T code. Yeah. Do not say T code. <laughs> don't say Migo. Don't speak in terms of all about programming. We don't know them. 
Let's let's roll back to basics. What is the customer trying to achieve in their business and how can our technology enable that? Absolutely, absolutely. And on a very, very minuscule level, in my limited experience here at SAP, even I have noticed some customers and the importance of being a trusted advisor and an educator, for the lack of a better word, in those scenarios. Like even very little things that I took for granted because in Pre-Sales Academy, my favorite, and you can imagine why, demo to do was the guided buying demo because it's so much fun. Who doesn't like shopping, right? And I had done it so many times, gotten so many reps that in front of customers, sometimes I would take it for granted. I'm like, well, everybody knows how to shop. What's so special? But it is special. And to have that level of awareness is important. When you have a customer saying, wait a minute, self-service requisitioning? That's a thing. It's very, very important to know that. And what I gathered from this was to be relatable, really, to have that empathy, to understand where they're at and drive that discussion. So on that topic of being relatable, business transformation, because that's what we're helping our customers with. Nobody says, okay, give me a shiny new expensive toy. I want it yesterday because it looks cool. No, 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 no. So digital transformation cannot occur without business transformation and vice versa. They go hand in hand. So in the past, maybe our sales teams were used to that, that, okay, our discussion stays with the IT, the CIO's office. Now that's no longer the case. Now we have to get the business on the table. So what I would ask uh, Nick and then Rick, both of y'all, what's the importance of A, discussing the value and not just staying in the feature function land and bringing the business to the table? Great, great question. I, I think when I look at how I want to answer this question, you cannot execute a successful digital transformation in today's environment without heavy business sponsorship. Uh, IT is not running the show anymore. I mean, they might they might be a very critical voice, but as you mentioned, Akshi, business transformation, digital transformation go hand in hand. And, and I, I'll, I'll kind of draw a parallel. It's, it's tangentially related to what we're talking about, but I just want to bring it up, right? When you think about digital transformation and business transformation in today's world, the winner is the customer. Customers have more choice than they've ever had before in the enterprise software space. Um, there are more players, there's more shiny new toys, as you put it out there, than they could probably ever keep up with. And the, the sheer amount of competition is making vendors like SAP work harder than we've ever had to work before to earn customers' business and keep their business because we are living in a cloud world where customers have choice, they have term contracts, uh, so we have to keep them happy and consuming and, and using our software. So, you know, feature function-wise, I think... Yes, every vendor and, and engagement, you need to make sure that you can handle the base level business requirements. But if a customer or our internal teams are not sure as to why these features or functions are emitting value to the customer, that is a huge problem. And, and we need to always understand or boil down. I mean, it's, it's a pretty straightforward formula for, for business value tied to digital transformation. What are the company's objectives? What are their goals and objectives that they're trying to achieve at the corporate level? How can we at SAP enable those corporate objectives? Then you look at the program they're trying to achieve. Maybe they're looking at finance transformation, HR transformation, intelligence spend transformation. 
how can we tie those programmed objectives to the overall goals of the company? And what is the value of achieving those goals and objectives with SAP technology? If you could triangulate that all together, you have a winning strategy where the customer will win, SAP will, will do right by the customer, and everyone will be happy and successful. Nick is, is hitting it on the head there. I, I mean, I look at it as we always go into every engagement thinking of why anything, why, uh, why SAP, why now, as, as kind of the three questions to, to answer. And, and that why now is, is really where you need to start and spend a lot of time really behind uh, everything that Nick's talking about. Information even is so much more uh, readily available as well. So, Customers are getting more knowledgeable, and um, again, that's just another win for them because they can uh, they can make sure they're getting they're talking to the people that they need to talk to. One thing that I would add is, on top of that, is is that a lot of these projects start in a specific line of business, um, and it's started by the people that are feeling the pain. Um, and they're like, hey, this is not working because I need information from another line of business. I need manufacturing information, I need planning information, I need whatever. And we engage with them. But as Nick said, you take it up a level on how does it make the entire organization uh, meet their goals. And, you know, as going back to the, uh, the beauty of the CSD role, we get to get involved with that and talking to those customers about and, and planning with the with the team about what is, you know, what are the goals of the customer and then how are we going to meet them before we go in? So, yeah, I would completely agree. So, Rick, you bring up a great point of really understanding the customer's pain. You use that word and I really uh, like the fact that really capturing what their challenges are, what their goals are. With that said, being in West Coast, that is the home for the unicorns of the world, technological unicorns where people can create homegrown solutions. So with that said, you know, we often say, okay, why change? Why now? Why SAP? And when we are thinking about why SAP question, we often think sometimes of our competitors, which we should. But I, what I have seen in my limited experience in the West, since I was always in the South Market unit before I went to my global role, was that in this one particular customer's case, they are so innovative that had we not created a compelling enough case, they would have gone ahead and made their own solution to take care of their own problems. So when they can go homegrown, what is your approach with that? Yeah, that's a that's a good question because that's an additional challenge, right? It's it's the I call it the do nothing or or of course in traditionally we've called it the uh, the custom solution uh, situation, which there are customers out here who are like, hey, we're smart enough to do this, we're smart enough to build this, but I, I think there's two ways to approach it, and and the one being the big obvious one is that it's cloud, right? It's, it's, you know, you want to focus on what your, you know, what your company's, uh, what their core competency, what, what you set out to do as a company, you want to focus on that. You didn't set out to be an ERP company or, or in, you know, some cases you didn't set out to be a software company. So by us, by everything going to the cloud, we can, we can offer it to you in a way that's, that's digestible for your size, your abilities, your you know, support capabilities, what have you. You can get as much involvement or as little involvement uh, as you'd like, um, and, and that's completely up to you. But that's really where the experience of, of SAP going back, we're about to be 50 years old now, as I heard yesterday. So uh, the 
going back on, hey, we have been innovating in this space for 50 years and we're doing it again. And we're now, thanks to the way technology has developed, there is a way where we can deliver it to you in the most digestible and, and most advantageous really for, for the customers to get on board with. And so that's kind of the approach. It's bringing in experience, saying we're going to do this better for your business than anybody, uh, including you. <laughs> and we're going to take it off your plate so that you can now drive whatever you know your mission was to drive. Because you know, you look at their mission, it probably doesn't say ERP software. It certainly doesn't say uh, make, make businesses run better. <laughs> so. I think Rick, Rick hit the nail on the head. If you find yourself in that situation, I mean, I really question if you've built up enough business value in the change from an SAP perspective. It's just, uh, I struggle to see companies, you know, maybe if we're around the edges of a use case, it's very specific to the industry or it's very specific to the way a company runs and it's not necessarily like a standard business process we're, we're looking at, then yeah, of course, there, there might be a, an argument to be made to build, to build versus buy. But um, those cases are usually few and far between. Uh, it, it just, it, it really depends. I mean, I, I think in the vast majority of, of situations that Rick and I find ourselves in, I don't find that prevalent in the South much at all. I know it yeah. was more prevalent in the West. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And on a personal note, when Rick was explaining that, you know, the image that was coming in my brain over and over again was when I took over the podcast and Rick and Nick can see this, our audience can't see it. They can see that I have all the soundproofing around me. Now I have studied physics. My undergrad was in rocket science. And had I really put my mind to, I could have figured it out, but I'm also married to a musician for whom this was everyday work. He can do it. And this was set up in less than half an hour and he can like dismantle it. He can put it together again. And that's the importance of having experience. Can we all go out there and figure it out on our own? Maybe, but would we save so much time and get to value sooner with an experienced partner? Yes. So thank you so much for that, Rick. Well said. Well said. Sure. Yeah. And with that, speaking of being a trusted advisor, being uh, that experienced partner, First of all, I don't like the term pre-sales because I feel like it sells the pre-sales role short. Or sometimes people even say, oh, pre-sales, they're the demo guys, demo gals. And I don't think that is accurate either. But with that said, you know, since you, the CSD is a pre-sales role and you work so closely with pre-sales, how have you seen the role evolve over the years and what has it become now? Well, I'll start with, I really love that we are updating the, even the titles to Solution Advisor. Um, while it does take a lot of people to get used to it because mm-hmm. people didn't want to go back to sales engineer or, or something like that, um, Solution Advisor is, is a great way to evolve it, I'll say. And, and really, for exactly what you said, actually, it's, it's, you're not just coming in to give a demo. And you're not just saying, okay, here, feed me some requirements and I'll go back and see if I can show these. It's like, hey, let's talk about the best way to do this. You, uh, those folks know the solutions, they know them well, and, and they come in. Uh, it's, it's just a matter of talking customer and really collaborating. And, and they are an important part of making sure, uh, as was mentioned earlier, that the customers are being able to get and, and actually see um, how this solution is going to make them successful. Um, it becomes a win-win. 
Yeah. And to add on to that, Rick, I mean, I, I'll point back to the, the point I made earlier about the competition being so fierce and customers winning. Customers are also getting educated way earlier on in their process. I mean, you look on YouTube, heck, our podcast that we're on today, there is a ton of content out there for customers to consume. Mm-hmm. And when they step to the table to say they're ready to start engaging with us, they're at a much more educated level than they've ever been before. Uh, so the role of a, of a pre-sales, traditional pre-sales person has really shifted to, you know, let me show you something. Let's, let's have a conversation about your business and how our software can help your business run effectively. And um, I agree with Rick. The other thing that's, that's changed a lot in the profession is the adoption of cloud, right? So I know cloud's been around for a long time, but cloud means that we're not, we're, we're not just selling customer software and walking away. We are their trusted advisor, trusted partner. They have to, it's a term contract. They have to consume the software. They have to use it. They have to be successful using it. And our resources have to be there every step of the way. Now we have different teams to handle different things, but our solution advisors understand that for customers to be successful, we have to do a couple things off the bat. One, really keep the scope tight to ensure that what we're portraying and what we're selling is going to solve the immediate business problem or issue. And there's immediate value tied back to that, right? Um, that's, that is critical. And, and um, if, we, if we do that, everyone wins. I think the only thing, and the one thing that I would add to that too, is to keep the messaging consistent because everyone comes in and they're solution focused, but you're going to have so many people in front of the customer. Uh, and especially solution advisors, and to make sure that they understand where the focus is, you know, what are the things that are going to make the customer get a win and and to focus on those and and be consistent about it. So people aren't coming in talking to different uh, message points. Uh, I, I, that would be the, the only other thing that I would, I mean, I think it's a good compliment to to what Nick was talking about. Actually, absolutely, Rick, because you said the word consistent. And that made me think of a lesson that John Nalon, back when I was an intern, I had asked him the question that, John, what does a CSD, Customer Solution Director, do? And he said, manage the swim lanes. And that, that's a very interesting point. You bring up consistency. Having been in pre-sales, working with sales teams, you know, everybody is highly intelligent. They're really good at what they do right? And type A individuals, we can be headstrong, right? And butting heads can happen. So how do we ensure that everybody is staying in their lanes and being consistent at the same time? <laughs> it's an art, not a science. Yeah, uh, we, were, we were both making faces on that it, one. Like, yeah, uh... it's a, it's a, it is a, it's a tough question to answer. I, I, you know, there's so many people here at SAP that can help a customer and help our internal teams. Really the job of the CSD is to understand who should be doing what, when, and helping the sales. I mean, this is one component of the job, right? One facet of it, but understanding and helping the internal salesperson, the customer to to match those needs and understand who should be involved at one step of the process. Of course, we've got racy chart and diagram up the wazoo to do that, but the real world rarely plays out uh, in that way. So, you know, we Rick and I have held many debates with salespeople and even internally about 
when we should be having a industry value advisor or a COE individual helping out versus a solution advisor. Sorry, I caught myself there, right? Uh, who, who does a demo, right? When, it, when is the right time for a customer to see a demo? Is it, is it early on in the process or is it after they've kind of understood the value of the SAP solution and the value of our messaging? And we're starting to dig into the, the business requirements that they are really looking to solve for the challenges, right? So I hate to give the answer. It depends. It's the, I, I, the consultant in me died a long time ago. Thank, <laughs> thank the Lord. Uh, but it does. It's a, it's an art, not a science. Rick, what do you have to add to that? Yeah. Art, art not a science. I, I know a particular individual that will love to hear that, um, that we both know. So uh, it's been drilled <laughs> into Nick and I. It's interesting because I just gave a presentation a couple months ago to my AE team. And um, there are, you know, we have a number of new individuals. And so just trying to say, hey, how does the CSD fit into what you're trying to do? I pulled up a slide um, that I had taken from the supply chain of selling about the, the folks that could get involved with your deals. And then it has a little timeline of when to bring them in. And there were, I think there were 16 different titles on that slide. It might even wow. have been more. And so I showed, and originally I was going to show it to them to say, hey, this is when you should bring people in. And then before the presentation, I was looking at it and I said, you know what? This tells you how to leverage a CSD <laughs> because <laughs> let's talk about this before you bring all of these folks in. And now with you know, as we move into the cloud and there's different flavors and what's available and what's not available, there's plenty of people to help. But as Nick said, you really got to think through when do you want to bring them in? You don't want to have 10 people on every call that you have about this, this particular opportunity because you get nothing done. So you have to make sometimes some tough decisions on who needs to be in the room, you know, and, and now it's, it's more interesting because it used to be physically in the room. We would have these discussions now with virtual, anybody can be in any room at any time. So now you have to say, hey, you know what? Uh, you can't get on that Zoom or if you get on, can you, you know, stay off to the side and not, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, and again, these are all kind of complimentary thoughts to what, to what Nick was talking about, but that shows the importance of having someone there that you can kind of talk through. Some, some AEs are very, they've been around for a long time. They know a lot of these, uh, they know the people, the players, and they may want to do it on their own. And you're just kind of a, a more of a tactical person, mm -hmm. but in most cases, and especially in, you know, the DNN uh, area where we tend to get a lot of newer AEs, um, it's, it's really a, uh, it's a, it's a team working as a team. And, and when it comes to, as you grow the VAT, making sure everybody understands, look, the goal is to, is to make the customer happy and successful. So let's kind of keep all of our personal stuff at the door and, and work towards that. But yes, art, not science. I absolutely love that you said that our goal is to make the customer successful. Our tagline is to help the world run better. So we should keep that in mind and it'll help staying in one's lanes much, much, much easier. So with that said, I have had so much fun in this podcast. And as we draw closer to the end, is there anything else you would like to share with our audience that we haven't covered so far? And if our audiences are like, okay, this role sounds awesome. I want to learn more. I want to talk to Rick and Nick. Where can they follow you? Just one more closing statement. I, I mentioned earlier that I personally believe that this is the most fun job you can have at SAP. And I don't know if I just head on said why. 
I think you've heard a lot about the role and about what we do, the challenges, the opportunities. I don't think there's another role in SAP that combines the following things together into one. The thrill and opportunity of being in a customer-facing sales role. You know, the highs are high and the lows are low, but it is thrilling. You are constantly on the front lines talking to customers daily in this role. Secondarily, you are a leader. You are a leader to our sales teams. You're a leader to our customer. You're a leader to our pre-sales individuals. And um, it, it, you're, you're a very valued leader for that matter as well. It's a, it's a very valued role at SAP because we are some of the only people at, at the company, the men and women who can really look at an opportunity and dissect the strategy, the win themes, the right resources to pull in, and ultimately what could lead our internal teams and our customers to success. And last but not least, it's constantly changing. So when Rick talked about the day-to-day and said, I can't tell you what my day-to-day looks like um, because it changes. If I pull up my calendar, I can tell you I ran some demos this week, which is table stakes. That's the tip of the iceberg of what many people see in the role. Uh, I've helped solve some fire drill sales issues internally. I've helped solve some fire drill internal customer issues as well to help make them successful. I've gotten to play in a golf match with a customer this week and talk about their strategy and their business. Uh, and I've gotten to sit in our QBR, uh, which is our quarterly business review for our sales team, and you know, look at the the, the opportunities that out, out there in Q4 and offer my opinion on, and expertise on how we could best uh, lead our team to victory. So it's a very varied week, uh, and, and I, I really enjoy that. But I don't know what other job you'd be able to have that kind of fun and autonomy in if you're a little bit technical, a little bit salesy, and leadership mentality individual, I, I don't know of a better job. Yep. I would completely agree. And and if you want, if you're interested in a role, think about this. If you're interested in, in a role that's not a CSD, maybe you want to be an AE. Maybe you want to be a manager, a people manager. Maybe you want to be in, you know, you want to roll into services or you want to go into a certain solution. You can ask a CSD about all of those. Um, and, and actually, I've done that. I mean, people that have come to me and said, hey, um, are you familiar with this? Are you familiar with that? I do like the mentoring aspect as well, um, especially with solution advisors that are looking to build their career. We've got a purview of the entire uh, organization, at least when it comes to customer-facing stuff. So hopefully, we're not overselling this, but I, I agree with again with Nick <laughs> on this. Um, we do like what we do. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter. I don't know if Rick is on Twitter. I am on Twitter. Um, okay. I am, I'm on Twitter, not as active. I'm at Rick Isom. So you can find me there or, you know, of course, always email me or, or uh, find me on LinkedIn as well. Absolutely. I, I got to admit, I'm only on Twitter for the sports updates and the, uh, that's probably, <laughs> probably pretty, and the news updates, not so much <laughs> the, on the posting of content. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And one final thing I want to make, comment I want to make is we did not plan to wear the uh, the same shirts. That's how much we think alike. Um, it just happened. It just happened. So You too could wear a bright blue shirt on the SAP Experts <laughs> podcast if you become a CSE one day. In, in fact, you know, I'm a big fan of the musical Hamilton. So in closing, what I would tell our listeners is that if you want to be in the room that it happens, 
customer solution director is the way to go. I will be dropping both of their socials in the show notes below. And perhaps I will also be dropping a few open CSD roles if there are any. So look at the show notes, find out for yourself. With that, thank you so much, Nick and Rick. This was wonderful. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having us. Had a great time. Thank you for having us. Appreciate it, Akshi.